This is Dr. Jonathan Hansen. I'm the president of World Ministries International. I have with me a special guest, a friend, Dr. Augustine Augie David. He's the founder of Augie David International Ministries out of Dallas, Texas, as well as the president of Global Leadership Alignment. Augie, welcome back to the Warning Television program. Thank you so much, Dr. Hansen. It's great to be with you. Well, it's, it's always my pleasure. Now, I, I've got some questions that I want you to answer for myself as well as the audience. What is captivity and how do you define biblical captivity? Thank you, Dr. Hansen. Um, yesterday, I had the privilege of uh, speaking in Tacoma, Washington, and here I am in the uh, Seattle area. And I spoke on the subject of how God turns away our captivity. And I shared that the word captivity literally means imprisonment. Biblical concept of captivity, it means bondage. It means, you know, you can be in prison, not just physical prison, but you can be in prison to fear, prison to anxiety. You can be in prison to the opinions of other people and their expectations. And you can be in prison to bondage or addiction to alcohol, cigarettes, pornography, drugs, or any of these kinds of things. But in the biblical sense, the context of being in captivity is prolonged period of tests and trials. It means being uh, in bondage to sin. It means fear, a bondage to fear. All of these kinds of things. But uh, in this context, I like to talk about captivity as prolonged tests and trials. Many people going through sickness, disease, addictions, various kinds of sins, or financial issues, family issues, until the days become weeks and weeks become months and months become years. That's a prolonged test and a trial. And that's biblical concept of captivity, Dr. Hanson. Good. I know people are captive all over the place today. Yes. Not only in this nation, but all over the world. That is correct. People are in captivity. Yes. Great definition. People are going through extended tests and trials in their lives. What can we learn from Scripture and how can we find hope and solutions toward victory? In uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, the Bible talks about so many events that took place in the Old Testament. And it says, uh, Paul says, these are written so that we can learn from them. These are written so that they are examples for us to learn from. Also, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, it says that all scripture is given by inspiration of God for teaching, for correction, for instruction, and training in righteousness so that the man of God might be equipped for every good work. So we're looking at uh, scriptures and the narratives and experiences that the people of God in the Old Testament went through how we can glean uh, takeaways from some of the narratives when God intervened in their lives. The Old Testament particularly gives us a lot of examples on how God intervened in the lives of his people. So we're going to look at scriptures and how that brings us hope and comfort through the scriptures. Wonderful. Now I know you have at least three or four biblical narratives and their takeaways for our captivity to be turned. What are they? Yes, Dr. In Exodus chapter 2, the last two verses, verses 23, 24, and 25, last three verses, it says, When Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, when he died, God's people, the Israelites, who were in bondage to Egypt for 400 years. Would you say that's a prolonged test and a trial? 400 years of bondage to Egypt. They cried and they sighed. They moaned and they groaned. 
So when they heard that the king of Egypt had died, the Bible says that the people of God, they cried and they sighed, they moaned and they groaned. And their cries came up before God. And the Bible says that when the cries came up before God, God was considerate about their cries, their sufferings and everything else, their bondage, their captivity. It doesn't just say that. It says when their cries came up, God remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. So one takeaway that we can learn from 400 years of bondage, prolonged tests and trials and sufferings that God's people went through, the takeaway from that is we need to understand that as much as God loves us when we go through tests and trials, that's not the way, just knowing that He loves us, just knowing that He is concerned about us is not enough to get us out of bondage. We need to understand the ways of God. The Bible says that our, God's ways and God's thoughts are far above our ways and our thoughts as far as heaven is from the earth. His way of operation is different. And it says when the cries and the moans and the groans of God's people came up to God, He remembered His covenant with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. Hallelujah. The takeaway is this, Dr. Hansen, God is not moved by our needs. He is moved by His word, His covenant. He watches over His word to perform it. He confirms His word with signs and miracles. He upholds the entire universe by the power of His word. So when we get on to God's word, then God can uphold us. God can confirm His word with signs and miracles and God can intervene in our lives. So it doesn't matter how many years you've been in bondage, prolonged tests and trials, no matter how long you've gone through these kinds of things. But what we need to learn is that God is moved not by our needs, but by His Word. So that's one narrative, Dr. Hansen. And okay. uh, the other one is 40 years in the wilderness. The children of Israel went through 40 years of wilderness experience. Would you say that's a prolonged test and a trial? Would you say that's captivity? Yes, absolutely. But why did they get into that? In Numbers chapter 13 and verse 37, it says this, or 33, it says that, Numbers 13 verse 33, it says that the 10 spies that came back after looking at the promised land, they said, we were like grasshoppers in our own eyes and so we became in the eyes of the giants. If the truth be known, it was not the giants that kept them out of the promised land, it was really the grasshoppers. What you think about yourself, you're constantly broadcasting to everybody. And so these 10 spies, they looked at themselves. We were like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And so we became in the eyes of the giants. There's too many giants. We cannot take the land. Their unbelief and refusing to go forward in faith in conquering the giants and obtaining the land of promise was the reason why they got stuck in 40 years of wilderness. What is the takeaway from that? We need to learn that we need to move forward in faith knowing who we are in Jesus Christ and thus change the grasshopper image of ourselves. In the book of Philemon, which has only a few verses, one chapter, in the book of Philemon, verse 6, it says, but simply acknowledging every good thing that's in you, in Christ, your faith is made effectual. Praise God. So how do we move forward knowing who we are in Christ? By simply acknowledging who we are in Jesus Christ. Who are we? We are the righteousness of God in Christ. It is a gift from God. With the gift of righteousness, we rule and reign as kings in this life. That's Romans 5.17. And it says that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power and love and a sound mind. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. We've been delivered from the authority of darkness. And all the promises of God are yes and amen to us. We're more than conquerors through Jesus Christ. As we feed the word of God by acknowledging who we are in Jesus Christ, the grasshopper image inside of us begins to change. A 
our faith becomes effectual. So that's the takeaway. What do we learn from 40 years of their wilderness experience? We learn that we need to move forward in faith, knowing who we are in Jesus Christ. The third narrative in the scriptures is 70 years of Babylonian captivity. In Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 10 to 14, God says, After 70 years, I will visit you and I'll keep my good word towards you. I know the plans that I have for you and I have a great future for you. Then it goes on to say, And you shall call upon me and I will answer you. You shall seek me and you shall find me when you search for me with all your heart. All right, what do we take away from 70 years of the Babylonian captivity? They were in rebellion. They rebelled against God. As a result of that, Jeremiah prophesied that they're going to go into captivity. And that's what happened. So what do we take away from that? When we go through prolonged tests and trials and captivities, it's painful. It's difficult. But that's part of God's mercy for us to bring us back to the first commandment, which is, Thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. He said, You will seek me and you will find me. When you search for me with all your heart. What does that mean? God has to be number one in our lives. Thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength. The devil may do so many things. We may be distracted by so many tests and trials. But God designed those kinds of things so that it will bring us back to him. And you shall seek me, you shall find me when you search for me with all your heart. And the very next verse says, Jeremiah 29 verse 14. And I will be heard of you. And I will turn away your captivity. Praise God. Hallelujah. So the takeaway from uh, Exodus chapter 2, 400 years of bondage to Egypt was God is not moved by our needs. He is moved by his word. The takeaway from 40 years in the wilderness is that we need to move forward in faith, knowing who we are in Jesus Christ. The takeaway from 70 years of Babylonian captivity was... God has to be number one. You shall seek me, you shall find me when you search for me with all your heart and I will be heard of you and I will turn away your captivities. So Dr. Hansen, what we're talking about is through these biblical narratives, if we begin to uh, get our ducks in a row, we will be in a position where God can intervene in our lives and he can turn away our captivity. Well, very good. Now what about Job's suffering and what can we take away from that, Augie? Yes, uh, there's a lot of controversy about Job. And, uh, you know, uh, the devil, he, uh, the way he operates is by sending us thoughts and lies and influence our thinking. If you can just imagine with me, you know, for a moment, you know, Job was, uh, was a righteous man. He loved God. He feared God. God was so proud of him. And God blessed him so much. And... Uh, if the devil operates the, the way the New Testament talks about, you know, through thoughts, through imaginations, through argumentation, and uh, through the power of suggestion, lies, deception, all that. Can you imagine? This thought comes to Job's mind. Curse God. And Job's thinking, this is a foreign thought. I love God. I fear God. You know, and God loves me. Where is this foreign thought coming from? And every once in a while, this thought might come to him. Curse God. And this is becoming a little concern for Job because that's not the way he thinks. What do you mean, curse God? As he began to ponder on that, then he came upon a thought that said, Ah, I think I know what this means. Perhaps my children are cursing God in their hearts. And so he began to act upon that thought, thinking that his children are cursing God in their hearts. And that's what the Bible says. And uh, so out of fear and out of this suggestion, he began to act upon that thinking that his children are cursing God in their hearts. See, he could have asked them, 
Are you children cursing God in your hearts? But he assumed that this thought was correct and he began out of fear because he thought if they're cursing God, they're going to die. Judgment's going to come upon them. Destruction will come upon them. So out of frantic fear and presumption, he began to offer sacrifices and prayers to God for their protection because they, he assumed they were cursing God in their hearts. What happened? This fear began to grow and Job chapter 3 and verse 25 says, That which I feared greatly has come upon me. He lost his cattle, he lost all his children, they died and uh, even his wife turned against him with bitterness and uh, you know and uh, so uh, and he was uh, full of sickness from the top of his head to the soles of his feet and he was so broken hearted he lost all his animals, lost his property, so much death and tragedy took place in his life and, uh, and he said that which I feared greatly has come upon me. So um, uh, you know, that devil that brought those kinds of thoughts about curse God, it didn't just stop with uh, uh, when he first brought that to Job's mind. He, guess who, uh, where that thought landed in? It was his wife. What did she say? Curse God and die. You know, and she became bitter against Job, bitter against God, and bitter in life. And uh, Job had three friends that came to see him during his suffering. And uh, they were great friends as long as they kept their mouth shut. They saw Job's suffering was so great. The Bible says, weep with those that weep. And that's what these guys did. They wept with Job. They saw they couldn't say anything because of the tragedy. Loss of 10 children. His wife turned against him. Sickness from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. Loss of everything. They had no words to say to comfort his uh, friend and their friend Job. And they, were, they kept their mouth shut for seven days. But after seven days, they began to talk and find fault with Job. And they began to criticize him. They said, no, these things cannot just happen. There must have been sin in your life. And then for 20, 20 chapters in the book of Job, they began to argue back and forth. And this man was already suffering so much. It was like pouring salt on his wound. The friends did, so-called friends did. And uh, finally, what happened? Job says, I cursed the day that I was even born. You see, the devil thoughts, uh, throws these thoughts into our lives and it becomes a thought and a stronghold and when we act upon it, it becomes an imagination and then we act upon it and the devil brings destruction in our lives. That which you fear greatly will come upon you. Anyway, what do we take away from Job? Uh, in Job chapter 42, that's the last chapter of Job. I like to call it, uh, Dr. Hansen, God knows how to write the last chapters in your life. Praise God. The last chapter of Job was a glorious intervention of God in which when God said to Job, I want you to pray for your three friends that have hurt you, that have abused you, that have criticized you, that have just uh, wounded you when you're going through so much suffering. Job thought for a moment, he said, you know, the last time I tried to pray for uh, anybody in intercession, stand in the gap, offer sacrifices, things like that, was my children. And look what happened then. But he was doing it out of fear. And that which you fear greatly will come upon you. But this time, at the instruction of God, he just began to act on what God says. And when he, God reinstated back to him the ability to faithfully walk in intercession, stand in the gap, and do what God said. And we, when he began to do that, in order for him to pray for his friends and intercede for his friends, I mean, you know, if I was Job, I would just want to just slap them, you know, and uh, because they hurt me. They hurt him so bad, and they called themselves friends. So it took an act of God and God's grace in Job's heart to forgive these friends and to release them 
and begin to pray for them. The only way many of us are going to overcome bitterness, anger, offense, is begin to pray for our offenders. And that's when God turned everything around for Job. Job 42 and verse 10, it says, when God turned away Job's captivity, when he began to pray for his friends. And that's what Jesus said also in Mark 11, after talking about faith, uh, Mark 11, 25 and 26, Jesus said, when you stand praying, forgive if you have anything in your heart against anybody. That is, we need to forgive people, not hold grudges, not hold any bitterness and anger in our hearts, because that will hinder our faith. And so the takeaway from Job, Dr. Hansen, is uh, um, by God's grace to forgive. And it's not easy to forgive when you feel every right, you know, to, to, to be offended with them and angry with them and not forgive them whatsoever. I remember some years ago, Dr. Hansen, uh, somebody close to me, they made a comment about some other person, a Christian person, and it was so wrong. And uh, I got angry. Yes. I got angry, righteously indignant. And I said, how dare you speak about that person that way? It's a lie. That's not true. Don't you judge that person because they're innocent about that kind of an accusation. I tell you what, I got stirred up with anger and righteous indignation. I rebuked that person so strongly and said, take that back. That's not correct. You know, and they took it back. But, you know, I was so angry from that uh, situation that, I, that my anger stayed till the next morning. When I woke up in the next morning, you know, I was still angry with that person. I felt like, you see, I passed, I crossed from righteous indignation into plain old being angry with them, you know. And the Lord said, I want you to forgive this person. I said, Lord, I don't feel like forgiving them. Mm. Yeah, but I want you to love them. I want you to forgive them. No, I don't feel like it because they were so wrong. You know, I thought I was still being justified with my righteous indignation, but I went beyond and just got plain mad about them, you know. And when the Lord began to deal with my heart, He said, I want you to forgive them. I, uh, you know, and I said, I can't. I don't want to. I don't feel like it. And the Lord said, forgive them and love them by faith. When He said that, I understood exactly what He meant. Forty years earlier, when I was in college, I was part of Campus Crusade for Christ, and Bill Bright, the founder of Campus Crusade, he wrote a little booklet called How to Love by Faith. And I knew what that meant. Don't go by feelings, go by the Word of God, just like salvation. When you accept Jesus Christ, the Word of God says you're saved. So whether you feel saved or not, you begin to act on your faith because of God's Word. Then the feelings come later. And same thing with the well, loving by faith or forgiving by faith. I understood exactly what the Holy Spirit was uh, trying to tell me. Then I remembered 2 Timothy 1.7 says, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. He's given it to us. Whether you feel like it or not, if you're born again, you already have the love of God. In fact, Romans 5 and verse 5 says, the love of God is already shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. And 1 John chapter 2 and verse 5, it says, he that keeps my word, he that keeps the word of God, in him verily is the love of God perfected. So I began to act on the word. I began to say, Lord, your word says the love of God is already in my heart by the Holy Ghost. You have not given me a spirit of fear, but a power of love that you give me. So I'm going to act on the word. I don't feel like forgiving them. I don't feel like loving them. But I'm going to act on your word. I believe you've given me the love of God. And I, by faith, I release forgiveness. I release love in the name of Jesus. So as I begin to do that, by acting on the word of God, the feelings came. The love of God began to get perfected in my life. You know. So the takeaway from Job is even when you don't feel like it God's word says we need to forgive those that we have held grudges against and are angry or offended with so we release them so we're getting all our ducks in a row 
uh, in, in a row. Well, what do we learn from 400 years of bondage to Egypt? God is not moved by our needs. He's moved by, by, our, by his word. What do we learn from 40 years in the wilderness? You know, we move forward in faith, knowing who we are in Jesus Christ. What about 70 years in Babylonian captivity? God has to be number one. You shall seek me and you shall find me when you search for me with all your heart. And then I'll be heard of you and I will, I will, uh, uh, I will uh, turn away your captivity. Praise God. With Job, Dr. Hansen, it's, uh, it's walking in love, forgiving those that have offended us. Well, I'll tell you, you know, we all have friends. Yes. And sometimes relatives. Yes. That uh, like Job. Yes. They intend to do uh, us good, but instead mm -hmm. they don't. That's right. Instead, we have to overcome mm -hmm. even their suggestions. That's right. Augie? Yes. Thank you. Amen. Um, the other thing that I had in mind to share with you, uh, Dr. Hansen, is um, uh, in Psalm 126, it says that those, he said, um, when the Lord turned again, I kept it. I like the word when, not if. When, and God's going to do that for you. Uh, in a few moments, we're going to pray for you, for God to turn away your captivity. We're talking about getting our ducks in a row so we can be in a position to expect God to intervene in our lives. So in uh, Psalm 126, this is, when the Lord turned again our captivity, we were like them that dream. Uh, and you know, and uh, the people in the world, they said, God has done great things for, the, for you. And our tongues were filled with laughter and, and our mouth was filled with singing. In other words, when God turns away your captivity, Dr. Hansen, you'll be able to laugh again. Yes. You'll be able to sing again, praise God. And there'll be such a witness that even the non-believers around you, they'll say, the Lord has done great things for them. Amen. And that's what I believe that's going to happen to those of us that, those of you that are watching us today. We're going to pray for you. God's going to intervene in your life. I want you to know, no matter what kind of bondage and captivity you've been in, praise God, you're going to be able to laugh again. You'll be able to sing again. The people around you, relatives and all, will be able to say, God did something for you. It'll be like a dream come true. When the Lord turned again our captive, we were like them that dreamed. But later on in the same chapter, Psalm 126, it says, Turn again our captivity, Lord. That means from time to time, things will happen in our lives and God needs to intervene in our lives again. And it says that those that sow in tears will reap in joy. He that goes forth bearing precious seed, weeping, will come again. Without a doubt, rejoicing with sheaves. Praise God. What does that mean? In Mark chapter, uh, <clears throat> chapter 4, verses 26 to 29, is Jesus said, The kingdom of God is like a man that puts seed into the ground. He goes to bed at night and goes about his normal duties, gets up in the morning. And how that seed is growing underground, he has no idea. You know? So you may be going through tears today because of a whole lot of bills you cannot pay. A whole lot of bondage and taxes and, and debts that's just drowning and killing you. You know, you're in tears. And you're in tears because of COVID, maybe because of other diseases and incurable diseases or uh, a bad report uh, from legal situations. No matter what it is, you may be in tears. But plant God's word in your heart concerning that situation. Financial healing or any of those kinds of things in your life. As you plant those seeds in your heart, go to bed at night. 
get up by day, go about your normal duties, because how that seed of God's word is growing inside of you, you may have no idea whatsoever, but it is growing. Jesus said, it'll start growing, germinating, and it'll start popping out of the ground. First the blade, then the, uh, first the grain, then the seed, uh, the, then the grain, and uh, then the full-blown uh, full uh, harvest is going to come, praise God. And you'll have a harvest, praise God. Hallelujah. So, Amen. in a few moments, we're going to pray, Dr. Hansen, for those that are needing prayer. And uh, God's going to do some great miracles in your lives. Yeah, I want you to pray for those that, uh, in, a, in a few moments, that mm -hmm. are in need of God's intervention yes. to turn away their captivity so they can have freedom. But yes. uh, give a simple recap of all these insights. Yes. What do we take away from 400 years of bondage to uh, Egypt? God is not moved by your needs. He's moved by his word. Get on the word. God knows your need, but get on the word in order to get him to move. Secondly, 40 years in the wilderness, you know, we learn that we, we need to move forward in faith, knowing who we are in Jesus Christ. Thirdly, 70 years in Babylonian captivity, no matter what you go through, no matter how sincere you may be in other things, he has to be number one in your life. God has to be number one in your life. Praise God. And number four, Job's situation, we forgive people by faith, We've, we release them, we love them and pray for them, and God will turn away our captivity, praise God. And lastly, about the Word of God, if you're sowing God's Word in the middle of uh, your tears, I want you to know that God's Word says that you go about your normal duties, but you protect God's Word, and it will start germinating back in the form of um, financial blessings and deliverance, a healing in your body, or any other victory that you might need. So those are the narratives in the scriptures, uh, Dr. Hansen, that uh, will help us as we learn from these things. We'll get our ducks in a row, then we can pray and seek God. I want you to get ready. I'm going to have Dr. Augie pray right now. Uh, some of you, again, we're going to cover life, liberty, and property. Life, liberty, property, freedom, health. And some of your life is in jeopardy. Some of you, your property is in jeopardy. Some of you are going through a health crisis. Life, liberty, freedom, property. Amen. Dr. Augie is going to pray right now. You get, get ready. Yes. Get ready to Amen. come out of your captivity. Amen. Get ready to have your victory. Augie. Amen. I want you to say this, please. The most important prayer that you could ever pray is to invite Jesus Christ into your life. So I'm going to lead you from that point on to other things also. So please, those of you that are watching right now, this is the most important prayer that you could ever pray. I want you to say this out loud. Say, Lord Jesus, I open my heart to you. Please come into my heart. Forgive me of all my sins. Wash me by your precious blood. I believe in my heart, Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. I declare with my mouth, Jesus is my Lord. I believe I am born again. I believe my sins are forgiven. I believe Jesus is my Lord. Now say this after me. Say every wicked spirit controlling sickness, disease, poverty, harassment, fear, anxiety, depression, oppression, witchcraft. You have no dominion over my life. You are cursed to the roots in Jesus name. And I declare that I believe I now receive supernatural healing and deliverance and God's intervention in my life. I declare God is intervening in my life. He is turning away my captivity in the name of Jesus. Again, you've been watching and listening to the warning radio program, uh, television program, social media, a uh, shortwave. It goes around the world. 
This is your day of freedom. Come out of your captivity. Hold on to what was spoken. The truth will set you free and you now move into your destiny. Again, I've had Dr. Augustine David. God bless you.